0: 1 Samuel chapter number 26 in the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter number 26 in the Word of God today. As you find your place here, and uh, I'm not sure, culturally speaking here, but if we could, could we please stand for the reading of the Word of God? Would you please, as you find your place, if your health allows you to, would you please stand for the reading of God? 1 Samuel chapter number 26. And to help you out, let's go ahead and go to the very end of this chapter. We're going to go to the very end of this chapter I'm going to read one verse and we're going to dive right into the Word of God. We'll give us uh, some context and some h- historical background of where we're at here in this passage of Scripture. And, uh, but we're going to start just by reading one verse as the Holy Spirit allows in time today. Uh, we'll move past verse number 25. But 1 Samuel chapter number 26, would you please follow along as I read in verse number 25. The Bible says this, And Saul said unto David, Blessed be thou, my son, David. Thou shalt both do great things and shalt still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. This morning I'd like to preach a message entitled, From Mountaintop to Valley. From Mountaintop to Valley. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for their stand Thank you for their love for missions, their love for the Word of God, and, Father, their love for their own people. Thank you for their love for their country. Savior, as we come to the Word of God, I ask, Lord, that we, we do not approach this passage of Scripture haphazardly, but, Savior, you would allow us to rightly divide the Word of truth. Lord, I'm asking, Savior, for the words to exegete this passage in such a way that we walk out of here and our hearts and minds are in tune to you, Father. It's easy to get concerned with what took place yesterday and to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. But Father, what if we stop for a moment and just tune into Your Word, <laughs> tune into who You are, tune into Your love and Your peace for just a moment, Father? I don't know who needs this message this morning, but I do. I need it. So, Father, speak to me. Savior, I ask, Lord, that when we walk out of these doors, we would change, be changed, we'd be different, Savior, that we would be more like you. We love you, Savior, in your Son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Have you ever gone through life or through a season and or a life stage in your life or perhaps even ministry where you just felt like, man, <laughs> I'm on fire. You ever felt like in your devotions you just get in and it's that Instagram picture where it's just perfect? Man, you're getting something, you're being fed, you're, you're whistling through life, you're enjoying ministry, the, the quartet singing, and man, it's right on, the piano's right on, the preaching was just for you, you just... You're going through this season where you're just, man, you are enjoying everything about God and life. It's living really this Christian life, and or may I put it this way, it's being alive in Christ. Alive in Christ is living the normal Christian life. There's going to be attributes and attitudes of our Savior that... Many times it's not one of those things where we have to think about maybe a fruit of the Spirit and or maybe one of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 where where it's those things that we're working on. It's those things that, man, I've got to grow in here. I've got to have this. So the, the normal Christian life, being alive in Christ, is at times just walking with our Savior. And as we walk with our Savior, it's taking on His attitude, his attribute, his living, and we're allowing it to flow through us naturally. In fact, in the word of God, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible says, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16, the Bible talks about that same light when it says, let your light so shine before Him that they may see your good works and glorify, watch now, not church, not religion, not yourself, not your background, not your nation, but the Bible says, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There are those times and those moments that, man, you just feel like, I'm just on this mountaintop I'm just experiencing just God's glory and His grace and His goodness. And I'm just, I feel like at this stage, whether you're in it right now or you have experienced it before, I believe all of us in some life stage, whether you're 12 years old or, or, or man, you're in the fourth quarter of your life, you have experienced God like that. As we look at this passage of Scripture, this is where we find David. It's really at that mountaintop that, man, things are going good. I just, I, I just, I, I really have nothing to complain about. We know the story of David, and David really had an incredible journey since David was introduced to us in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. I was able to talk to our men this past week about that introduction of David. And David is really brought on the scene in chapter number 16 because in chapter number 15, Saul rebelled against God and did not fully follow his commands. And so God took away his throne and shows up on the scene through the prophet Samuel in chapter number 16. And we really have this introduction of verses number 10, 11, and 12 to this young king kid that honestly everybody forgot about Eliab and others are brought through Jesse's home to be anointed king and the prophet says nope 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 all the way seven times until finally says Jesse you have any more sons and yeah actually we do have one more we we, we kind of forgot about him he's out in the field he's keeping sheep and they brought David in and Samuel says, this is the man, and David is at that moment anointed king, and we know the story of David. It's a fantastic, fantastic uh, life of 54 chapters devoted to his life, and I think probably one of the most famous stories is found in chapter number 17 when David goes out onto the field against this giant. I mean, the odds are not in his favor, and yet uh, David walks out on that field and, and speaks those famous words in verse number 29, is there not a cause? And, and takes on Goliath and kills him with just one stone right in the forehead and he falls flat. And all the way through David's life we're just seeing victory and great things happen. And Even when he goes on the run and he's running from Saul because Saul's jealousy against him, we still see that David has these really big victories in his life. In earlier chapters when Saul goes to chase him, we, we see where David is able has able uh, uh, can I put it this way an opportunity really to kill Saul in chapter number twenty four when Saul is hiding in a cave and yet David has this victory where he's not going to touch God's anointed and, and God is with him and guides him and I love in chapter number twenty five even though it's it's so sad and oh just it breaks your heart that the prophet dies and this had been a great friend of David and uh, David had loved him and they had been through some tough times but even in chapter 25 we see a death really we still see a victory that david just continues to climb to this mountaintop because because he's able to get through and he's able to get through his grief and god is with him in a great way and then we see again in chapter number 26 another great victory when David and Abishai go down into really what would kind of be their enemy, although they were on the same side, they, they go down into the camp of Saul and Abishai, this warrior, and David sneak down in and what they do is they take a spear and they take a cruise of water and they sneak back out of the camp and they go up. And Abishai begins to talk to David and says, Look, David, here's your chance again. Did You blew it before in the cave, but now is your opportunity to kill this man who's been after you. He's tried to kill you. It makes sense. End it now. You've already been anointed king. God is with you. Finish it. Do the job. And David has this great victory and begins to speak about this scenario in verse number 10. Look at it with me here. Verse number 10 of this chapter, chapter 26, and watch what David says. Watch now. And David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his days shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. David says, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointing. It's not not my job. He's got it. God's got this. just let, Let God take care of this. And we see in verses number 9 through 19, David takes the spear, the screws of water, and goes up and then calls down to Saul and begins to tell Saul, Saul, look, listen, tune in, watch. I, I could have killed you. I could have taken your life, but I did not. And so Saul begins to become convicted, and Saul's response begins in verse number 21. Now, would you look at it with me and watch what Saul says. Then said Saul, man, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm. Because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly and David answered and said behold the king's spear and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. Verse number 23 and the Lord rendered to every man its righteousness and his faithfulness for the Lord delivered thee out of the hand this day but I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed and behold as thy life was set much by this day in mine eyes so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me out of all tribulation and this is where Saul says David you're going to be blessed. You're going to do both great things. You're going to prevail. And the Bible says that David went his way and Saul went his way. And we see once again, this, this amazing victory for David. <laughs> great story. I mean, it's just like in a Disney movie where it's like, and they lived happily ever after the end. And you go into the credits like, man, great story. That was good. That was great. It was, Happy-go-lucky is one of them Hallmark movies, baby. You know, they're all the same, but you're left with an awesome feeling. Well, that's what we got here. You're left with the great feeling. They lived happily ever after. The victory, the mountaintop. David's there. He's experiencing. He's got it. Man, he went his way. He went his way. And that's it. We're done. Boy, great. And if we close right here. It'd be, well, let's have an invitation and we're done. Great story. But, whoa, 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 you're not that lucky just yet, okay? Next week is like shortened Sunday or something like that. It's not this week. So tune in. Listen now. <laughs> if we ended there, it'd be great. But there is a chapter 27. And chapter 27 in verse number 1 says this. Look at it with me. Look at verse, chapter 27. Look at verse number 1. And David said in his heart, After this great victory, a life of mountaintop Israel, here's what he says. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Yeah, you know, there's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me and seek me out any more of the coasts of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Excuse me, David, what happened? (laughs) David, dude, we just, what, you just, how, what, what's going on? How does a person go from this to this? How does a person go from, I'm going this way, you're going this way, you're going to do great things, adios, see you later, we're done, but that's it. (laughs) How do you go from a mountaintop to nothing? I'm nothing, I'm just, I'm not, not, I might as well go back to the world, I might as well go back to the Philistines. Before we're too hard on David, I think at times even our local church, you and I perhaps have even experienced and or watched somebody experience this. What takes place in a person's life where they grew up in church and they grew up in a youth group and they grew up going to camp and they, they grew up loving God and they grew up with the Bible in their hand. They grew up at camp preaching for a preacher's boy contest. They grew up singing in a quartet. Uh, they grew up in choir. They, 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 they're they teaching in a Sunday school class. They they love God and they love Jesus. They're involved and they're the first ones out there to grab those Easter tracks and head out and to pass them out and they're inviting people in. Man I mean they're they're Mr. Faithful in Sunday school. They're Mrs. Faithful to choir practice. I mean, they, they are on mountaintop. They're there. You never worry about them. And fast forward 365 days later, they're no longer in church. Their marriage ends in divorce. Their kids aren't serving God. Everything, whether it be whether it was Snapchat or whether it be Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, it doesn't matter what your flavor is of social media. It has nothing about God. It has everything to do about I'm miserable. Nothing goes right. Oh, woe is me. Excuse me. Even us in our life, we have kind of pondered what takes place in a person's life where here they are and they're serving God. They're doing great things and everything looks great and beautiful and daisies and flowers and butterflies and roses and it's just, it's great and it's wonderful. And then the next thing you know, they're doing nothing. They're living a chapter 27 verse number one type of life where it's God has nothing for me. I don't even know why I'm here. I might as well go back what takes place in a person's life I'm so thankful this morning congregation I don't have to sit here and say well here's what brother shepherd thinks you ought to do here's here's what yeah you know, like years of experience and we've talked and we've we've polled, and we've been out there in the real world and here's what happens so I'm thankful that we have a more sure word I'm thankful for the bible that is set before us that is so can I put it this way culturally relevant and applicable to the Christian life today that we don't have to wonder, we don't have to fret, we don't have to think, man, is this going to be me? Am I going to be this Christian or this Christian? Am I going to be this person or am I going to be this person? I'm thankful we can go to the Word of God and understand that there are several key signs of someone who is on a journey from mountaintop to a valley experience. The first sign we see is, number one, a lack of prayer. Would you write that down this morning if you're taking notes, a lack of prayer. Chapter 27, verse number one, look at it with me and watch what the Bible says. And David said in his heart. Did you catch that? There's no mention of David calling on God. There's no thinking about God. There's no considering God. No, David's sitting and he's talking to himself. He came to this conclusion by himself. Christian, may I say this morning when you and I start feeling periods of unbelief, we start feeling self-sufficient. You and I start to feel like we have the power to fix something, but there are going to be circumstances in your life and in my life that we do not have the power to fix there are going to be circumstances. There is going to be, once again, that ebb and flow of life, that that moving, that 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 something, whether it's a relationship or a bill or, or, or a rebellious child, or 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 something, a loss of job, or or bad news from a doctor or a surgeon, whatever the case may be, there's going to be circumstances in our life that you and I do not have the power to fix. But I'm so thankful today that you and I do serve a God that is all powerful. Amen. You and I do serve a God that has the power, no matter what is out of our control, that our Savior is always in control. Prayer to our Savior on to drive us to the realization that there is nothing that God cannot handle. In fact, the Bible says, these things have I spoken unto you that are in me that you might have peace. The world shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What is it, friend, today that you're struggling with? What is it today that you feel like in your life it's just, it's out of my hands? What is it in your life that maybe like David, you honestly have a fear of? I fear this, or I fear bankruptcy, or I fear divorce, or I fear fear. For my child or i i feel what is it in our life that we are just simply struggling with can i put it this way you may be worried about it and i may be worried about it but god has never worried about it you may stress out you may pace the floor you may lose sleep you may have to take medicine, you may have to see a doctor, you, you may have to go get therapy, you may have to go get a counseling, you may have to talk to pastor and his wife, you, you might be struggling through all those things, but can I tell you this, God has never had to do any of those things. In fact, he says this, listen, you think you have to, I've already overcome it. You think you're going through a tough time. Understand, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I've already done this. I've tried this. I've been there. I prayed three times. I fasted a meal and still I'm not hearing from God. Understand this, don't lose faith. God's got it. But sometimes you got to let go. Isn't it amazing in... in <laughs> In life, at times, we become, honestly, we just become very religious. I'm just going to say this because this, this is a very grounded church, and so I believe I can speak like this today, and it's because you're bankrupt. But at times, we almost become fake in the things that we really believe are, are impressing God. <laughs> Don't believe me? let pastor call on you to pray and see if you really talk to god or you just ran through something you've prayed a million times before jump in your devotion and and don't tell tell me you got something from the word of god and it it wasn't just i went through the baptist daily bread or i jumped on logos or i I went through my you version today and i got my five verses out of the way and i got my little clip for the day and so boom i'm good i'm great i'm i'm ready to roll hey i got this (laughs) I did this. Uh, no, we we become very, very religious. It was with our twins. We're being born, and I'm so thankful they're healthy, and they're doing good, and God just worked in a great way. They're going to be four in June, and they really, I mean, I am just, oh, my word. I am all about my kids. I just, I just... I show pictures all the time of them. I've literally, I've literally become like one of those people. They used to, people like this used to annoy me. Where they'd be like, hey, they get out their phone and they'd be like, you gotta see this picture. When somebody does that, you're you, are not interested. You know, it's like, hey, I went on this trip to the zoo, you gotta check this out. It's like, dude, I've seen a zebra before, thank you. You know, and, and and now I've become one of those people where I'm like, I'm traveling around, you gotta see my family. And I get out my phone and I'm like, oh my word, I've become an old cheesy person, but it's it's just who I am. I love my family. I love everything about it. My wife uh, gave birth to our twins, and uh, they they were premature, and it just it just God worked in such a great way. And man, they were born, and it was just they, they literally they're you know three point nine pounds to four point two pounds. It mean, was a little premium. I mean, you could hold them like this. And, they were healthy, didn't even have to go to NICU, um, and hey, just, ah, oh, just such an, an incredible experience. Carrie's doing good, and man, we're sitting in the room, and, and just, I mean, you're just basking in what God has done. Just this mountaintop experience for us. As I'm standing beside my wife's bed, it's just me and my mother-in-law, Lanny Clayton, and Carrie in the room. The girls are getting cleaned up, and you know, everything they do after babies are born, and As I'm sitting there, as I'm standing there, my wife hemorrhages. I don't want to be gross this morning, but anyone who's ever been in the medical field, when somebody hemorrhages, it's, it's just a lot of blood, really, really fast. I didn't have time to run over and click a button and wait for a nurse. In an absolute panic, I ran out of the room and I ran down the hall of the nurse's station and said, my wife is bleeding. They came running in, six nurses, uh, two anesthesiologists and our doctor that had been there all come running in. The doctor immediately runs over the wall and gives a code. My wife passes out just like that. I'm standing over in a corner and as I'm sitting there, I'm literally watching my wife bleed to death. I see it blood on the floor and just slowly going across the floor and nurses walking through it. It's something, honestly, in my life I didn't think I'd ever have to live through. And I I just never want to do it again. To sit there as a young man, thoughts just begin to run through your mind. And I can tell it's not looking good for my wife. No one's talking. No one's saying anything. They're just nurses flipping around doing this. They're trying to get the bleeding stopped. And I remember that doctor, and you got to remember this is in the South. She stops everyone, true story, in that room. She says, stop, and everyone stops. She looks at me and she says, preacher, you need to pray right now. As I'm sitting there, let me tell you something, congregation. At that moment, it wasn't a big, oh, here's my time to impress some doctors. Let let me get this prayer warmed up. Here we go. might get some new tithers in the church with this prayer. It's going to be so beautiful, and this is going to be awesome. That wasn't my thought at all. At that moment, probably maybe for the first time in my life, I began to talk to a God in heaven about a problem that I could not fix. And I cried out to my Savior, God, save my wife. I believe you can. Can I tell you something, church? Why we try to take care of these things by ourselves? Why are we going through life thinking, yeah, let's pray that we reach Canada for Him? Do we pray or are we just running through and saying? Do we really believe that God can save souls on Easter? Or are we just, yeah, we've done it a hundred times before. Let's grab the cards and let's get out there and pass them out. Or are you and I seriously getting bold in our prayers? That God, if Pastor and His wife are serious, Lord, we we want to see souls saved. We want we want to see his plates turned upside down. When's the last time parent or grandparent you stop just for a moment and stop saying, well, it's just it's just the way she is. You know, she's just a little rebellious, a little stage she's going through. Or when's the last time you honestly got bold in a prayer and said, God, I believe you can change their heart. Get a hold of it before Satan does. When's the last time we stop believing what the doctor says and it's not looking good, it's stage whatever, and so, well, I guess that's it. No, when's the last time we stop just, well, God, have your way, but honestly, truly stopping for a moment, and saying, God, I'm going to get bold in this prayer because I believe in six literal days you made trillions of galaxies out there with trillions of stars and in five little words you said, and, and he made the stars also, and I believe you did all that and God, if I believe you did all that and that you sent your son to die on a cross for my sin and that I'm going to live with you for all of eternity and I have faith that you did that for me and that I believe and I am say, then God, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to be bold in this prayer that I'm not going to be down and out or well whatever comes I guess we'll do it no God I'm just going to tell you I'm going to be serious about calling on your name and calling out that you can do great things Understand church, bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your boldest prayers or your biggest dreams. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. Why? Because they do not require divine intervention. But you just ask God to part the Red Sea or you call on him to make the sun stand still or to make the iron axe head float and God is move to omnipotent action there is nothing God loves more than keeping his promises and answering our prayers and performing miracles and fulfilling the dreams that you and I have in our life whether it's a mountaintop or a valley experience that you're going through in your life can I say this call out to God because David's first mistake was this well i said set my own heart Go ahead, I dare you this week. You ready for this? I dare you this week to go through an entire week without saying, I think. I dare you to go seven days without saying, I feel like. Try it. Try it this afternoon. You know why? That's our habitual lifestyle. Why well, just feel like? Why well, just think that? Well, how about we just start calling on God and stop thinking with ourselves? That here's what God's word says. Here's his promises. Understand church, first of all, it was a lack of prayer. But number two, would you write this down? It was a lazy conclusion. And David said in his heart, looking for number one, watch it with me now. And David said in his heart, first mistake, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Watch what he says. There is nothing better for me. When we're living life that is not dependent on God, you and I are going to reach bad conclusions. When you and I take God out of our life, we start believing that there is nothing better here for us. Can I put it this way? That is a lazy way out. I've spoken to hundreds, hundreds of students across our nations over the past year. And it is always, well, I just can't find the God's will for my life. That's a lazy conclusion. Well, I just, I just, oh, you know, I, I, I would be serving God, but, uh, you know, I just, I really can't find anything in the church to do. That's a lazy conclusion. A lazy conclusion is, is saying, ah, God, you know, I would do this, but, I, you know, I just really can't. You know what David says, in my heart, here's what I saw and here's the conclusion I came to. The conclusion is, ah, there's just nothing better for me. Can I tell you something, church? You are worth so much more than that. I look at young people all the time, 17 years old, and say, Would you stop? You are so down on yourself. You're so out. Stop for a moment. You are worth so much more than that. Are you and I, right here at Bible Baptist Church, are we willing to serve God with the talents that He has given us? How many, even in this congregation or the congregations around Canada that meet each and every Sunday, and they're wasting what God has? They're wasting what God has given them. They're wasting what the plans and the dreams that God has for their life. I love the verse in Isaiah that says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom shall go for us? Then said, I hear him, I, Lord, send me. What is, what's going to be your conclusion today? Is your conclusion this, you know, I probably would hand out a track, but to be honest with you, preacher, I'm just a little bit, I'm introverted a little bit. That's a lazy conclusion. You know, I I would sing maybe in a quartet or I would get involved over here in the orchestra, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just not good as as so-and-so over here at the trumpet. That's a lazy conclusion. You know, I, I, I would, I probably would get in my Bible more, but I just don't have the, the, the knowledge like our pastor's wife. So, you know, I just, I just, I just, listen, I just, I just won't get in it probably as much. It's lazy. I would get involved in, in uh, a Sunday school class, but to be honest with you, Brother Shepherd, I've been teaching for 30 some years, and so I think it's about time I step back. It's a lazy conclusion. You know, I probably, I probably would get involved. But you know, there's so many other people that are more mature than me and they've been in church a lot longer and they're just a lot better at those things. So I'll just let them. That's a lazy. It's lazy. It's la- We've become very lazy in our conclusions. You know why? Because we seek it ourselves. I told our men this week, stop comparing yourself to everybody else. We live in an Instagram world where we view the best of everybody else. We view the very best of nobody. I said it at the men's conference. No, there's no pastor that gets on there and brags about a bad Sunday. Is that right, preacher? I mean, no, nobody gets on there and says, well, it's been you know, 15 weeks in a row. We haven't had anybody baptized. Nobody brags about that. Nobody says, well, I'm telling you, uh, it was an okay day, but the, tr- the, the music, it was dead. I'm telling you, our, Levi just really didn't, just just didn't bring it today. You know, I don't know if it's a beard getting his way or what, but he just said, listen, nobody does that. Nobody says that. I said this, I said, I get on, I get on Twitter, Instagram, and to be honest with you, it, it almost affects me, like, there's these families they are like, oh, we're out to eat, hashtag perfect, you know, and, and all their kids are there, and they're just, they're eating, and it's gorgeous, and, you know, it's just, man, they have the right filter on, and all their kids are just sitting there with a napkin in their lap, and they're just eating their steak, you know. Dude, if we went to a restaurant, it's hashtag disaster, baby. I mean, we got pizza is everywhere, and our kids are upside down. I don't know what is about our little London. She just cannot take a normal picture. All the time, Carrie says, act normal, because every time it's like, and by cheese, we're all like, Cheese, and she's like, nah, you know, just like her mother. <laughs> and I'm just like, so it's, 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 it's. It Listen, and I compare my life. I started looking at everybody else, and honestly, if I'm not careful, I'll come to the conclusion our, our family's just messed up. <laughs> like we're not normal. You know why? The social media age we look at, we're looking at everybody's best, and we're comparing our worst. Stop. Because I'm telling you, God sees something in you that. Maybe even yourself doesn't see. I don't care what your background is. So you spent time here. I did this. You don't understand. I've, I, I've been divorced and now I'm remarried. You know, great, that's in the past. Now serve God and move on. Yeah, I got sin in my life and I did this and I confess. You don't get an attaboy button for that. The Bible says if you confess your sin is faithful and just, your and to forgive all of righteousness is done. It's covered. It's under the blood. You know what? Put your hand in the plow and move on. Well, you don't understand. I've been through this and I've been hurt so bad. Yeah, we, we've all got that in our lives. We've been hurt. <laughs> we've been hurt deeply, maybe even by another Christian. But Paul said, you know what? I press toward the mark for the high calling of prize in God in Christ Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about James. I'm not going to worry about Demas. I'm not going to worry about everybody else that's hurt me in my life. No, no, no. I'm just going to move on. David said, you know what, I just said in my heart, to be honest with you, there's nothing better for me. Stop, Christian. You are beautifully, perfectly, incredibly made by an Abba Father that loves you. Serve him. Dig in. Be the first to run out those doors and grab some tracks and advice. Well, nobody's going to come with me. Lazy conclusion. Well, I invited somebody before and they just didn't come. Congratulations, we all have done that. I begged and pleaded and almost had to start paying people to come to church. And they still didn't come. <laughs> I say, it happens. David says this, well, you know what? I said in my own heart, wrong. Here's the conclusion I came to. Now watch this. Watch this and we'll be done this morning. Watch. Number three, David was looking for relief. See what he says here? Look now. Verse number one, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. <laughs> There's nothing better for me that I should speedily escape into the." Land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me. Watch, 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 watch now. Just just look at this. Watch. He's going to find some escape. He's gonna, because he just says one to this. Honestly, in David's life, he's just looking for relief. David said, I need help. I need some relief. Unfortunately, David runs to the Philistines. He's going the wrong direction. The problem with David was he was looking for some kind of relief. And unfortunately, the relief he's going to try to get doesn't come. Because, Christian, when you chase short-term relief, it's just that. It's short-term. Only God has the power to fix your life and my life. It's amazing nowadays how so many people, when... When they want relief, you know what they look to? They look to other people. Any college student that's out of the will of God, you know what they're doing? They're they're getting their advice from somebody else, not God. They're chasing that short-term relief of, you know what, this didn't work for me, and I'm going to blame all this, and so I'm going to give back. And they they looked everywhere else. Why aren't you you in church? Well, so-and-so said, well, hey, why don't don't you come back? We'd love to get with you, Bob. Well, I don't know, I read this blog. I don't know, somebody, so-and-so told me. Yo, it's what's amazing today is that you and I, again, in the social media realm that we live in, we almost look for satisfaction in everybody else. So at times even, listen, if so-and-so is okay with me, then I'm going to be okay. (laughs) That's not scriptural, nor is it biblical. Understand, when you and I start looking for relief in everybody else, we're going to realize very quickly that, A lot of people are just going to make us feel tired. Excuse me. There are going to be those that make us feel dirty and ashamed and even at times unable to meet their expectations. But Christian, oh, how God makes us feel the opposite. God is madly in love with you. His love is not altered by who you are or where you've been or who you've been around. He wants you and I to drop our defenses and accept His embrace. He doesn't want you and I for what we can do. He wants you and I for who we are. He said this, listen, if you're looking for relief, if you sit here and you're tired and you're sick of looking and you're sick of searching and you're sick of trying and you're sick of going through the mundane role of just kind of religion and a checklist and this, 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 this and if I do this, 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 maybe I'll feel better and I, I guess if I'll just be faithful and I guess if I'll just read more and I guess if I'll just sing louder then I'll just go through it. Excuse me, even if you get too religious in your life where you notice that you're not in a mountaintop and man you're doing everything you can but you, you're honestly starting to feel more like hey God's not working and he's not listening and he's not talking maybe like even he used to can I say this? Start looking to God. I love the verse in the Word of God. It says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You feel like that's you? He said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and hardened. Ye shall find rest. Don't you love that word, rest? He <laughs> said, oh. You're tired, and now you get the rest that you need. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you say, Bishop, I've never even experienced that type of rest. I've never experienced that that type of God. I don't care if you've been to church every day or every week for the last 10 years. I'm just going to ask this question. Do you really know him? because that's our God do you know him well I think I do I mean I've been faithful to church I mean I gave money in the offering play. I mean you know gospel seed in the I gave a big offering there and to be honest with you I mean I've, I've sang before and I opened the hymn book and I mean I'm I greet people in church I've even helped in a say, those are good and that's great and continue doing it but do you know him Not what maybe took place at a VBS one time or, you know, my grandma and grandpa. I mean, my my dad was a pastor once or my my dad was a deacon or my mom played the piano or, you know. No, I mean, like, do you know him? If you're uncareful, you start relying on everybody else to tell you that you're saved. That's, That's not a Bible salvation. The Bible says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the very word of God that you and I hold that says, but God commended this love toward us. And that yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love the passage of scripture that, that talks about you can't work for it. You, can, you can't make your way. You can't come to this conclusion and looking for relief. I guess if I do a whole lot of things, I, I guess maybe I'll have relief here on this earth. And I guess I'll spend an eternity with Him. No, the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith." And that not of yourselves, that it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Yeah, but you don't know my background. You know where I've been. I spent time in prison. Man, I've done this. And man, I'm addicted to this. and man, Okay, good. You don't have to tell me all that. Because there is a God in heaven who already knows. And he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You going through a tough time right now? You in a valley? Struggling? Oh, the disciples were. And Jesus looked at his disciples who were not quite comprehending what was going on. And he could see that their spirits began to dip down into, well, we think, God, you're going to be this and do this. And he says, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to save the world for their sins. And all of a sudden, they start dipping down into this kind of depressing news. <laughs> and Jesus looked straight at them. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not. So I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we not know whither thou goest, and and, and how can we even know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. At church, can I help you out this morning? Let me just encourage you in the word. If you're looking for relief, this church cannot give it to you. (gasps) The pew you're sitting in cannot give it to you. I, I hate to bust your bubble, but this pastor cannot give it to you. Dr. Stone can't give it to you. Pastor Levi, I can't give it to you. Brother shepherd I can't give it to you. But we all know a Jesus who can. And he's saying right now, stop. Stop. Yeah, but God, I feel like if I could just stop. Yeah, but Lord, I, the conclusion, and remember, I experienced, you remember, it, stop, stop. Okay, Lord, then what do you want me to do? Cast your care upon me, for I care for you. Go ahead, give it to me. But Lord, if you don't mind me asking, what are you going to do with it? Don't worry about it. I got it. The church, what took place in David's life that took him from a mountaintop to a valley experience? A lack of prayer, a lazy conclusion. And then he was looking for relief.